Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. All right. What a morning of worship. Amen. I enjoyed last night so much. We had this intimate time of worship, and I enjoyed this just as much this morning because God was reaching to our hearts. And so it's so powerful what he's doing. I do feel like there's this intimacy that God wants to call us into. He's really just calling to our hearts. And so I want to encourage you just to allow allow him to envelop your life in your heart. Amen? Maybe. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, so this morning um, we're going to be looking, let me put this up here. We're going to be talking about the effects of the Holy Spirit. That sounds like a good thing to talk about. I preached a message, um, I don't know, it was in the summer, and I, I talked about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we, we kind of broke out into different sections of the room. Anybody who felt drawn to, to jump in and receive a, a, a gift. And so we did that, and we had all kinds of stuff going on in the rooms. We had tongues and interpretation of tongues. We made sure they got together. You know, that's a good thing. And so they were back there. They get together. We, we had a young lady healed up here on crutches. She was in high school and uh, completely healed. It was a real dramatic moment of her running around the room. And uh, what was powerful about it is those gifts, they, they, you know, gifts flow from the stage when someone's up here ministering, but they were flowing through whoever was here. And that's the way we wanted at Bethel Austin. We want you to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's, they're really important to building the church. And so we're going to get into that. I'm going to break down a little bit of word. If you were here for that message, you may get a little bit of the same thing on parts of it, but I've got some different stuff. I've got a different way that I want to come in on this, but I love this, this month or this season. We try to highlight different, um, different core values of Bethel Austin, and one of, one of those is God's Word transforms. How many know that God's Word transforms? Amen? You know, I love worship, but I also love Word. Uh, people like to get in camps on that, and you don't need to get in a camp because it's all God, and it's all necessary, and it will all enrich your life. And so it's really, really important that we know the Word, that we get in the Word, and uh, we study the Word. I spend a lot of time just studying the Word. I like to look at the original languages. You know, when I was in high school, I was, a, uh, I was number one in my, my English class, and I could you know, diagram sentences. My grandmother was, she had her master's in English. And uh, it was funny because, <clears throat> because I was number one and I was kind of quiet and, you know, football player. And so, um, you know, but in this, in this class, if you were number one and two, I didn't realize this was going to happen, but the teacher wanted the whole class to read Romeo and Juliet. And uh, guess who got picked to be Romeo and Juliet? So if you were number one or two, you got to be one of those roles. And so I was really excited about that. You know, like, uh, I was thinking about this morning. You know, it's like in the most monotone voice you can imagine, but soft when what lights through yonder window breaks, you know. And so I'm having to sit in my high school English class and read as Romeo to Juliet. It was 
It was horrible, guys. <laughs> it was pretty rough. But, but anyway, I love language. I love the nuances of language. I love to break it down. I just don't want to read Romeo in class, but, but I do love it. You know, it's interesting. That served me well as I went into ministry because I do like to dig into it. So we're going to dig a little bit into a word this morning, um, effects. This is the word that we're going to dig into. It really caught my attention when I preached that, that last message. And um, so we're going to dig in. But I want to talk to you about the passages we're going to look at are in 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians, the Corinthians, that I've said this before, but Corinth was a very large, prosperous city. Um, think New York, think L.A., that was, that was Corinth. It, um, it was infamous for immorality, actually. Um, they had a temple uh, where the priest uh, Af- or, the, or where the, the false goddess Aphrodite was worshipped. And they had over a thousand prostitute priestess that were in that temple um, there. And so they would go out at night and it was a part of their rituals that they did. And so the whole city was, was very immoral. Um, I've said this before as well, but it became known um, to be immoral was to act like a Corinthian. And they would, the word they used was Corinthian, Corinthianize. So if you're, if you're Corinthianizing, you're acting like a Corinthian. You're acting immoral. That's, that's how immoral the city was. It was, had wide socio, socioeconomic backgrounds. You get the sense in the church there were people of noble birth. City treasurer was a part of the church at Corinth. But you also have people of all ranges of life in the, in the church. And um, one interesting thing about them is they were actually sharing meals um, with non-believers. So um, the church was very active out in the community. Now, as a result of, of that, so that was a really good thing, but they also, in many ways, took on the culture of Corinth, and so Paul had to address some of those issues. And it, it was great that they were reaching out, inviting people in their homes, but um, Paul was basically like, hey, you need to influence them with the gospel. They not influence you. And so there was just a lot going on in Corinth, and I like to point out when I preach what these churches were like. Because did you know that Corinth had a lot of divisiveness in it? The, the church did, the Corinthian church, a lot of divisiveness. Um, it, I mean, there was just a lot of stuff going on. There were class divisions or the, these immorality issues that were in the church that Paul was addressing. And I like to point it out because sometimes we think that uh, these churches that were operating in all this power were just so perfect and they didn't have problems like us. You know, they never had conflict. But when you start reading the New Testament, you realize like a lot of what Paul wrote was actually saying, hey, stop doing that, right? Stop acting like that. Be nice to each other. Get along. Be in unity. All these different things. Because there were a lot of different problems in the church. Now, God was pulling them and Paul was encouraging them to a higher place. But I think it's important to recognize that churches are not perfect, Amen? And the church, the Corinthian church was a powerful church, but in many ways it was very immature. And again, that's not a reason for them to stay in immaturity. Paul was trying to bring them along. And they didn't actually, they actually didn't like it as he tried to bring them along. They actually told him they wanted to get another apostle. I find that comical. I don't know. <laughs> like we got a super apostle. Paul, we don't need you anymore. 
But what I love about Paul and I love about the two letters to the Corinthians, first and second, is he stayed with them. And I mean, I probably somewhere in the middle would have been like, well, the heck with y'all, you know. But Paul just kept at it until they got on the same page and they got together and they started listening to what he had to say. But it took two letters from Paul to do that. And so that's this wonderful book that we have, First and Second, first and second Corinthians. And so um, God wants us to walk in pure power. Can I say that? He wants a purity in our life. He wants the fruit of the Spirit, and he wants the gifts of the Spirit. So pure power. He doesn't want us just to walk in the gifts, but we're not walking in purity. Amen? And purity, we think of sexual purity, but there's all purity of every, purity of heart, purity of motive, purity of how I deal with others. All of those things are very, very important. And so pure power is what Paul was encouraging them in. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who's building the church. He builds fruit into the church, and he's also, uh, he's doing things internally, but he's also doing things externally. And so we're going to look here. All right. I love it when this works. Thank you, Anastasia. Production team, sign up. Yeah, it is a blessing. So let's look at this passage here. I'm just going to read it, and uh, we'll jump in. So now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And so we see here that there's three different things that, that Paul points out in this passage. And he points out gifts, he points out ministries, and he points out effects. And these are all attributes, in a, in a sense, of the Holy Spirit. These are expressions of the Holy Spirit that he wants to express through us in an intimate partnership. God doesn't want just to pour through you. He wants, he wants to, you to partner with him in an intimate relationship. And out of that intimate relationship, gifts, ministries, and effects begin to flow. Amen. And so God's calling us to intimacy. But when we look at the gifts here, the word gift, you've heard of the charismata, charismatic. We get that. A lot of churches like ours are called charismatic churches because of the gifts of the Spirit. And, but specifically, that word means grace given. And so when we think of the gifts of the Spirit, they're not native to us like a talent. You know, there's certain things that maybe I'm just good at that um, I was born with. I'm just, uh, there's a natural disposition to be good at that certain thing. Like I was really good at football <laughs> in high school. I was really good, but I uh, couldn't, you know, I never made it to the Cowboys too bad about that. Is anybody sad that... About the Cowboys, yeah, I'm sad about that. I'm also sad that there's only one football game left this year. It really makes me sad when the season's over. Anybody feel that? Okay. We'll pray for you at the end of the service. But, um, but, but these, these gifts, they're not native, but they're, they're not natural talents. They're supernatural impartations. 
And so we need to understand that. And you know what that, that means? Like I'm a blank slate. There's a lot of hope for me. I may not be talented, but you know what? There's a supernatural grace or gift that God can pour into anyone in this room. No matter what my skills, talents, background, whatever it is, God can pour it into you. Amen. And so I love to take trips like mission trips. And I love to, in New York, people are like, oh, you know, I haven't done this before. I know I should go. I'm like, oh yeah, you should go. Because I love it when people go out on the streets and find out that the Holy Spirit pours things through them that they never thought could happen. And so God has these gifts that he wants to pour out. And you could think of them as um, supernatural capacities. And so the Holy Spirit wants to release supernatural capacities, grace gifts inside of you, inside of your life and through you. Amen? And so just to look at this, the nine gifts of the Spirit are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, affecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so we see these different gifts here. Um, uh, Bethel Austin, you know, probably healing, we operate in a lot in, right? Prophecy, those are probably the top two. Words of knowledge going with healing. Um, there's, but there's other ones here. Tongues, I know we get tongues, but don't see a lot of interpretation of tongues. You know, words of wisdom, that's a powerful gift. I've experienced the Holy Spirit flowing through me in that many, many times. And when it happens, you begin to realize there's words coming out of your mouth that's actually not your own wisdom. Look, I have a certain amount of life wisdom, right? I've experienced things so I could, you know, maybe help you with certain things. But there is a supernatural thing that is beyond earthly wisdom and experience where the Holy Spirit is actually having you speak into a situation. And when it happens, it's so powerful. Amen. And so these are the gifts of, of the Spirit here. And um, we're told that, uh, let me see here, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, I want to go there. We're told that we're to pursue the gifts. Is anybody in, uh, I mean, pursue love, but earnestly desire the gifts. Sorry about that. We're to pursue love first, but we're to earnestly desire the gifts. And I, I made this point before, but what you receive from the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with your earnest desire. That gives me hope as well, right? It, it's, it's your earnest desire. Listen, you, you may not have gone to seminary. You may not have gone to Bible school. You may be a new believer. If you have an earnest desire for the gifts, guess what? God's going to give you gifts. And so that earnest desire, but we need to pursue love. Love is what gives us that healthy motive so that we um, operate in the gifts like we're supposed to. If we earnestly desire the gifts but don't pr pursue love, the gifts are not going to operate the way that they're supposed to. Why? Because selfish motives come in and the gifts are not for that. Amen? And so we got to pursue love, but we got to earnestly desire. And I want to encourage you to earnestly desire the gifts. Don't be like, oh, you know, not me. Don't, don't have false humility. Go, you know what, God, I earnestly want one of those gifts, or I earnestly want to operate in all those gifts. 
I've operated at different levels at different times through pretty much every one, I think every one of those gifts. And so some of them I may be stronger in, but I keep earnestly desiring those, the different gifts. All right. And you keep going in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It says, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. For one, no one understands, but his spirit, with his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, exhortation, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And so I just want to make a couple more points here on gifts. Why, why prophecy? Well, he gives us the answer here in verse 3. It's because it's for edification, exhortation, and consolation. And so... So prophecy is something that encourages people. And I want to say this, encouragement is what sets you on a path for your destiny. And the prophetic is often how God does that. I can, I can point at almost every juncture of my life, major juncture, where the prophetic began to flow towards me. And it began to encourage me to step into the destiny that God had for me. And so, I mean, I'm in Austin because of that. I'm in Bethel, Austin because of that. I went to New York City because of that. I pastored churches because of the prophetic, either confirming or encouraging me to take the next step. And as a result of that, I've stepped into so many different things in my life because of prophecy. So prophecies like, it's like this. Think of it as a lasso on your future. And it's inviting your future, that heavenly reality, into the present. And so the prophetic begins to put a lasso and pull it towards you and pull you into it. So it's really important. And that happens both on an individual level and a corporate level. So there's corporate prophetic and there's also individual. But God wants to encourage us. But I want to say this. Tongues is important as well. Because what happens with tongues here? He edifies himself. So here's the powerful thing about tongues. Now, if you get an interpretation, then it can edify others. So that's why Paul, he puts that at a higher level because it's at a wider level. And so it's like, hey, tongues is here. But if you can, if you can get an interpretation, you edify everyone but he really goes on to emphasize later here the, the importance of tongue. I wish that you prayed in tongues more than I, than I do, is what he said. And so tongues does what prophecy does, but you can do it to yourself. Uh-oh. I didn't get a prophetic word today. Oh, no. You can edify yourself. Amen. Nobody said anything to me today. Edify yourself. You, this is amazing to me, right? I love, my wife loves tongues. She is like, oh, yeah. She, oh, yeah. My kids will be like, Mom, you know. <laughs> if, we, if things get tense around the house, she goes, they're like, Mom, stop it, please. You know, <laughs> she can't help it. But I love that about her. Why? She's, she's bringing edification in that moment so that she can then respond the way she needs to respond or press into what she needs to press into, right? Same for me. If you're feeling kind of tense, just go speak in tongues for a while. If you're, feel, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, listen, there's, counseling has its place and, and you should seek that out if you need that 
it's important. And I love our counselors that are in our church. I've received so much from them. But I also want to say that you can edify yourself. Because a counselor can't be with you 24 hours a day, right? You can't, I mean, Jim does counseling. He can't, you know, he can't be with you 24 hours a day, right? So you can, but you can edify yourself. And so with tongues. So it is really, really important. All right, so that's gifts. You ready for ministries? We'll talk about that a little bit. And we're going to actually get to where I'm going pretty soon. All right, but ministry. So I want you to think of ministry. So ministries, ministry, the word ministry basically means that you're going to be a servant. And that kind of changes the dynamic. You're like, I want to go into ministry. Okay, great. You want to be a servant, right? I want a ministry. I want a big ministry. Okay, you get to be a big servant, (laughs) right? And we got to think of it a little different, right? It's not like, I, I can say this. When I went into the ministry, I had no idea actually what it was. I was like, I want to preach. I want, to, I want the microphone. Give me the mic, man. I want, to, I want to do something. I didn't realize that's like 1% of what you do in ministry. And there's a lot of other, there's a lot of stuff you do that you don't want to do as you serve. But you do it because God's called you to do it. And so ministries means to serve. And so a gift though, specifically I want to speak of this in the context of this passage. So we've got gifts, a variety of gifts, variety of ministries. So a gift, if you steward a gift, that could turn into a ministry. Amen? Some of you might have the uh, ministry of speaking in tongues, like my wife. <laughs> interpretation of tongues. That could, you could have a minute. You could be, be like, hey, where are they? Need the interpretation here. You know, so... Um, it's something that as you serve and as you steward and as you allow God to purify your life and your heart and you're pursuing after love, then that could turn into a ministry. But ministry doesn't always look like a microphone or a pulpit. Can I, can I just say that's not, that's not the highest level of ministry that there is? It may be the most visible, but the most visible is not always the most important thing that's going on. And so I want to encourage you with that. You, you may, God may give you a ministry that, you know, you're not known widely by a lot of people, but, but you're known by the people that you're ministering to. Amen. Look, I pastored some larger churches, some smaller churches, and it, it didn't matter. I was doing what God called me to do, and I was stewarding ministry that he gave me. And so Ministry can look a lot of different ways. When I came to Austin, um, I came from New York City to Austin. I'm from Texas originally, but um, I came to Austin, and my ministry was down on 6th Street. And we had a 5,000-square-foot facility over Emos. And I was, like, kind of cool back then. <laughs> I had a leather jacket, black leather jacket. I'm down on 6th Street, and we would bring in Christian bands on up up in this deal and invite people off the street. Of course, we wouldn't tell them what, was, what they were walking into, but we'd invite them up, you know, people down in the bar crowd. And so I would spend Thursday, Friday, Saturday night till 2 a.m. down on 6th Street. And we, we, would do a, we would do like prayer meetings down there. I mean, just all kinds of stuff, a lot of stuff with the homeless. So that was, that was the ministry during that season that, that God called me to. 
And so those gifts that I had, they, they weren't operating from a stage. They were operating in the context of what was happening on 6th Street. And we saw God do some very, very powerful things. Amen? Um, I mean, what if you had a ministry like this, releasing hope to delivery drivers? Did you know we have one of those? Is Ann here? Oh, you guys, you should just come to our office to watch Ann in operation. She truly has a gift. I mean, a delivery driver, if I order Uber Eats, I'm like, okay, they have no idea what's about to happen. They are stepping into the ministry of Ann because she is going to share the love of God with them. She disarms them. She prays for them. I mean, people getting healed, people crying in our office. The guy that was, it was put out on social media that got healed, like his knee or his foot. Um, I walked in on the end of that. There were several that were involved in our office with that prayer. He came back into the office like Thursday or Friday. There was hardly anybody up here. I think it was on th maybe Friday. He was up here and Anne was just ministering to him again. And he's just sitting there just taking it in. She's just sharing the love of God with him and, and, and prophetic over him, encouraging him. So that's a, listen, that is a beautiful ministry. It might be my favorite ministry that we have going on here. I mean, it's just... It's, it's really powerful, and God does so much. I mean, I'll walk by, and I, we, all of us in the office have seen it. I mean, somebody's just sitting there weeping. <laughs> I mean, they got deliveries to make, and they're weeping in our office. But it's because Anne is stewarding a gift, and she's stewarding, she's stewarding this, this area, this place, the front desk, into a ministry that we all love and recognize yeah. and want to emulate, actually. Amen? You know, when I was in New York City, I, I met with a bunch of guys. We had this investors group where we lost all our money, but it's <laughs> beside the point. But um, I would, so it, it was a bunch of guys, and these were like New Yorkers. They were like the real deal. They weren't transplants. And so we would meet, and um, we were investing in all these stupid penny stocks and all these different things, but we loved to talk about it and, you know, just meet, but those conversations after a while begin to turn towards Jesus. And, you know, they would have crazy stuff, like, what do you think about the beast and the end times and all, you know, all that stuff. And so we would just talk. Well, what was interesting is as we would do that, I'd be in the car with one of them alone, and they'd say, they would start to just, like, pour out their heart to me. You know, I don't want to go to church. I, I, I grew up this all my life, and, you know, I, just all kinds of stuff. But Several of those guys actually got saved. One of them leads a men's Bible study right now. And it's amazing to me because when, when I met, first met him, he was a really nice guy. But it, he, I mean, he would just tell you like, listen, man, I don't know, Jesus, like, it's just hard to believe that. I mean, he's on, they're very honest, right? So he's like, it's just hard for me to believe. I, now in the South, everybody's like, yeah, I believe. But they're like, I just, I can't believe that. It seems, it seems really far out there. Well, he leads a men's Bible study now. Why? Because stewarding that moment, that place that God had me into a ministry to these guys. And so I want to just encourage you that there's a lot of different types of ministries that God wants to pour out. And so as you begin to operate in a gift, say, God, I, I would like to step into a ministry. Where am I supposed to release this gift? And it's not all in here. I mean, this is a great place to do it. I want to encourage you to do it. But it's got to be out there. That's where the people that need ministry really are. 
Amen? All right. All right, so that was just the introduction. Thank you for coming. (sighs) All right, so effects. This is where I actually really wanted to go. Um, Effects. It it just caught my attention. Have you ever had something in the Word just catch your attention that you never really paid attention to? So 1 Corinthians 12, 6. It says says back in that, there are a variety of effects. So it's gifts, ministries, effects. It's like effects. Now that gets interesting when you start talking about that. And then in, in you go down in verse 10, it says to another, the affecting of miracles. And so we see these two different uh, words here, these two different places where we see the word effects. And that word, when you go to the Greek, is energama. Uh, energama. I think that's how you say it. Stacy said when I was saying it at home, She's like, you sound like you're speaking Spanish. I said, I'm just doing what the guy on YouTube did, you know, because the Bible pronunciation of Greek is different than like, anyway. So, but, but anagama is what that means is it's an effect or an operation. And it's, I love when you do a word study on this, I love some of the, the things that come out, but it's a focus on the results of God's energy. And so it means that it's, it's what, an effect is what God energizes. And yes, I'm a Star Trek fan, but that's not what we're talking about right now. But he energizes, it's what God energizes. And that's, that was in this word study. And so it's, it's what his energy touches, creates an effect. And so um, I want you to think of an effect. It's, it's really the operation of God's energy and what that creates. And so um, you could say it like this. It's God energizes an effect in us that marks us with a living testimony of God's divine power. And so a testimony is really a mark or a record of where God's energy has touched something. And so God's energy God energizes something. When he does that, there's an effect that happens. And one way we see that is through uh, healing. It talks about here, or the affecting of, of miracles. And when we talk about miracles, we're not, just talking, we're not just talking about healing, but we often see that at Bethel Austin. We see God energize in an effect. And when that happens, what happens? Someone gets healed because God energizes that moment and he affects someone with his power. And so that's inner, inner gamma. And so um, there's also other types of miracles. There's provisional miracles. Has anyone ever received a provisional miracle? And when I'm talking about a miracle, I'm talking about where, where you're in a situation. I believe miracles are, they're really those beyond situations, right? Yes, it's a miracle if I get hit healed of a headache, but I could also take an Advil and get healed of a headache. But it is a miracle in a sense, but I think there is this larger category where there's no other way this is going to happen, right? And I don't know if you've ever been there, where there was, I'm in trouble, this, you know, maybe it's financial, whatever it is, there's no, there's no way I can get out of where I am, and a miracle happens, and you get out. And what happens? God begins to energize that moment with his power, and so there's that. There's mental health miracles. 
I believe God wants to do mental health miracles. Amen? So it's not just our physical body, but even our minds he wants to bring healing to. So there's those type of miracles. There's, um, I mean, Stephen, Stephen got really energized, guys. He got translated from one place to the other. That's a miracle. That, okay, that is Star Trek, right? <laughs> Beam me up, energize me. But it's the Holy Spirit version of that. So Steve, he gets energized by the Holy Spirit, and God takes him from one place to the other. I would love to do that kind of air travel. Anybody here? I don't like, I hate to, you know, the whole thing. It'd just be so much easier, right? Let's just do a mission trip and do it that way. But God did that. We see that in the New Testament. He literally did it. That is a miracle. And I believe there's things that we know that there were things that uh, weren't, recorded in the New Testament because there would be too many books to fill it up. There's so many things that were done that we don't even know about. There's so many things that God wants to do that we've never even thought of. God wants to do the miraculous. He wants to energize. And you know, if you want to, let me just say this, if you want to make yourself a target for miracles, uh, thanksgiving and praise is a great start. <laughs> Amen. If you listen, I, there's health issues I deal with, and you know what though? I, I'm like, okay, I make every service. I make myself a target. I'm making myself a target, and if it didn't happen, I'm. You know what I do? I just keep thanking Him and keep praising Him, and keep te- stepping towards Him. And as I do that, I'm continuing to make myself a target for the miraculous. If you find yourself where you need financial provision. Listen, the worst thing we can do is go into despair and and begin to complain and and do all of that. That's not what you do. Now, if you're there, I want to encourage you in something. You can step out of it. And you do that with thanksgiving and praise. And you don't have to necessarily immediately feel about it. But you begin to say, you know what? I'm going to thank God. I'm going to praise him. Everything that I'm seeing says that the opposite, that God's not going to come through. But I want to tell you, God wants to do the miraculous. Amen. He wants to bring the miraculous. And so um, a, a gift is really that supernatural capacity that I talked about to focus divine energy to then create an effect. Oh, yeah. The gifts aren't just so that we can do something. They're to create an effect. They're to, they're to energize a moment or a situation. You know, one time I was thinking about in Palestine, Texas, where I used to pastor, I made a call for people to come down for healing. And as they began to come down, they came down and they're like, I'm healed. And I was like, why did you come down? (laughs) What was happening was as soon as their foot hit the aisle, they got healed. And so it it was crazy. It was literally crazy. As they come down, they're like, I'm healed. I mean, ears were popping. As soon as they'd step out, all I did is say, hey, come down. We're going to pray for you. It became a testimony line because Everyone in the room that I'm aware of in that room was healed. Every single person that I know of. I mean, I was asking, I was like, anybody else you want to step in that aisle? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good idea to step in the aisle right now. But it was amazing because the Holy Spirit was just energizing that moment right there. And I love his creativity. and I love that he does it differently so many different ways, so many different times. I was in Pakistan and um, had a guy come up to me, and he's like, man, he's, he said, sir, uh, I have an ox, and my ox is really sick. And these guys, they depended on that ox 
to make a living. Very poor country. And um, so he comes up. He's like, will you pray for my ox? So I pray for his ox. Next day he comes back. His ox is healed. I mean... God energized the ox. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. But it changed that family's life because if they lost the ox, they can't make a living. And they're in trouble without that, without that ox. And so we would see so many miracles in Pakistan. Really, that was a place every single person we pray for would get healed. They couldn't go to a doctor, though, the, the, these guys. There was no, I mean, there was no other, there was just nothing else. It was like Jesus in that moment or nothing else. And God was responding to their hearts, and it was really beautiful to watch. But um, God wants to energize and, and bring miraculous effects that we've never thought of in ways that we've never thought. He wants to, to bring those in. You know, James 5.16, I'm not going to preach on this, but it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does that mean? A God-energized prayer of a righteous man avails much. A God-energized man or woman, your prayers avail much. So I want to encourage you with this. Get energized. Let the Holy Spirit energize you. Does anyone ever come to church and not feel like being in church? Oh, man. You think pastors always want to be at church? No. So I don't, you know, but I'm like, okay, God, I don't, I I really want to be doing something else sometimes. And I'm like, okay, energize me, God. Energize me, energize my life right now. And when he does that, my heart gets in line and I want to be, I want to be there. But God wants to energize us. He wants us to have effective prayers. Oh, there you go. You can see that in Greek. All right, let's, I'm going to land it here. Are you guys with me on this? I, what I'm really doing is I'm, I want a new level of faith to be released in you and a, and a, and a new desire. And I, and I know, guys, we're a supernatural church. We talk about a lot. But, you know, you can, you can actually get stale if you're not continuing to step into more. I've, I've seen that happen. And so we want to continually be stepping into more. And these things are really important. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is important. The gifts are important. It's how he builds his church. And so we need those things. And um, he says here in verse 6, I want to just kind of hit some other points here. He says, but the same God who works all things in all persons. So God is the one who works these gifts, these ministries, and the effects in, and I love it, it's in all persons. All of us are called to ministry. All of us are called to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. All of us are called to bring God's divine energy into situations. Every single one of us. It's for all persons. And it's God who works these things. But it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So God's working this in all pers person. The source is Him. So the source of ministries, effects, and gifts is God. And he, um, but he wants to give each one of these, uh, get one of these for the common good. And I want to point out this variety that God wants to bring. Gifts are diverse. And I want you to think about something maybe you've never thought of before. When, when gifts combine and intertwine, you get a, another level of diversity. 
You know, faith mixes with the gift of faith, which is a supernatural energizing of faith beyond just where you kind of are. Mixes with healing, what do you get? You get a greater release of healing. Or faith gets in a ministry, and now you, you have a ministry for uh, helping people with some type of provision. Uh, you have faith, and so now you're releasing into them through the Holy Spirit, you're energizing them and you're releasing faith so that they can step into that place of provision. Amen? I love it when people challenge my thinking and they're like, what do you believe in God for? And they challenge me to believe God for more. And I love to watch the gift of faith. I mean, watch out. If the gift of faith gets an operation, that person is, is wild and unstoppable. <laughs> But it's really, really powerful. And so these things can, can mix. And so they're diverse. So the combos, I want you to think about that. And the combos of gifts, ministries, and the effects that happen. And sometimes um, we think of unity, but unity is different than uniformity. All right? So many churches hinder God's full expression because they misinterpret unity for uniformity. This happens all the time, and it happens in a lot of areas. It can happen in theology. Oh, we all think exactly the same th way about that. Now, there's some things I realize, yes, there's, there's non-negotiables, <laughs> but there's some things that we're, we're like, okay, I'm seeing in a mirror dimly, and I'm getting revelation on this, and God's bringing more clarity on that. But in theology, sometimes people are like, well, we're this, we're that. And I'm like, man, that's going to be a small room if you think everybody in the room is going to agree with everything that you think. And so the, it happens on theology. It happens around giftings oftentimes. And um, it happens around styles. Or even, it can even happen around race. And so churches do this. And so they, they misinterpret unity as uniformity. It's like, well, we have to have some kind of uni uniformity and God's saying, no, I want you to be diverse and I want you to be unified. And the supernatural operation of the Holy Spirit produces unity in the midst of diversity. If we're not diverse, we're not where God wants us to be. And, and I want to say that. I want to say that in... It could be socioeconomic, it could be racial, it could be the gifts, it could be all kinds of different things, styles, it could be age, right? I don't believe there's like an old church and a young church. I honestly don't believe it should be that way. I think it should be diverse. Now, when I say this, I'm not here to criticize any other church, but, and I love what other groups are doing, but we need to move towards being diverse. And us as a church, we need to be more diverse. You can say, well, we're diverse. Well, we need to be more diverse. Amen? And so God brings supernatural unity in diversity. And it's important to our mutual growth that the variety of gifts are operating, a variety of ministries, and a variety of effects. And so when these things begin to work together, there's this dynamic effect that begins to happen. And God wants us to step into that effect. And God wants that creativity that is him to begin to flow in this place. How many believe, why don't you stand up? We're gonna finish this. But how many believe that
God wants to do something greater than he's done so far. Yeah. But one thing I want you to notice as we finish up here is it talks about in this passage, it says the manifestation of the spirit is for what? The common good. This is the key thing here. God wants to give us a lens for the common good. You're not, you're not an individual. You're a community. Yes, I'm individual. Yes, I have my own diversity. But God wants to bring us together so that we begin to look at each other through the lens of the common good. What, what, what does God want to pour through me that benefits the community of Bethel Austin? What resource, what gift, what ministry, what effect does God want to bring me that benefits the whole, that builds the whole? It's not just up to those who are full-time staff in churches to build the whole. It's up to all of us. It's up to everyone. It's not about being a professional minister. It's about all of us saying, what can I do to benefit the whole? What do I bring to the table? And you may think, well, I don't know what I have to bring to the table. Get energized and let God bring something through you to the table. Amen? We all are to participate. We're all, and you know, I think in some ways, uh, there's so many things that over history that have happened in church that have created this separation between ministers, between pastors and people. And that's not what we're going for here. We want full participation. We want your gift to be released. We want you energized. Amen. We want the miraculous to flow through you. I get as excited about it flowing through somebody else as if it fl flowed through me. I will celebrate. I in fact, I like it more right? And, and I like it when it's someone that never, they've never actually seen that happen through them. Yeah. When God does a wonder and he uses them, they partner with him and he does it. It's like, it's just mind blowing. I love it. And so I want to encourage you guys to step into something more and begin to earnestly desire, desire the gifts, desire the effects, desire ministry. Amen. Yeah. Why don't we lift our hands? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in operation in our midst, that you are building your community, your church. And God, we declare together over this community that we all will operate in the gifts, the effects, and ministries of, of your spirit. God, that this will be a place that is on fire with people being activated and energized into what God has called them to do. God, I thank you for the, for the whole. God, I thank you for uh, allowing us to see and give us greater revelation. Give us a lens to see our neighbor, to see who we're in community with, and to begin to bless and serve and minister to each other. And God, I pray for Austin. God, I pray you would do something in here that's so diverse, that looks so different than anything that has ever been seen in this city in all different areas, God. I pray that we could that we could be a people that come together around you and we have all kinds of differences, but we are gathered around you. And from that, Austin would be changed. You know what will actually change Austin? I'm gonna finish with this. 
I may preach on this at some point. It's when people come in and they see that we love each other. It's when we're diverse, but someone who is different than us, maybe different than anyone in this room, maybe they have a different perspective, whatever that is, they're different. And they come in and they go, I feel the love of God in this place, not just for God, but for each other. And they feel invited into that. And out of that, they say, God must be here. I want to be here. That is how we transform this city. So let's get to it. Get to loving each other. Get to blessing each other. Get to encouraging each other. In fact, I I, want to end this way this morning. And you might need to just take a moment. But I want you to let God give you something for someone else. And before you leave this room, just give it. Just give it. Just let, I mean, it may be someone you see that you don't know. It may be someone you know. It could be an encouraging word. It could be just, hey, I love you. It could be something out of your pocket. You know, the right hand of fellowship. I think that's what we used to call that. It might be, it might be you pray for them and release a supernatural miracle in their life. But I want to encourage you to do, to do that this morning. Ask God and just find someone and do it. As, as soon as we dismiss or before you get out of this building, just release it to someone else. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.